Most of us have our cherished family traditions for Christmas. And, depending on our ancestry, they're all a little different. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Did you know that the Santa Claus we know so well has gift-giving cousins back in the old country we don't even know? In the hour ahead, we'll meet Santa Claus and Smoochly, Babo Natale, and Labafana. No matter how you say it, Feliz Natal. Schöne Weihnachten. Frohe Weihnachten. Feliz Natale. Our holidays are shaped by a fun-loving assortment of cultural differences. On today's Travel with Rick Steves, we're checking in with friends across Europe to hear how they're celebrating the holidays. Come along as we take a peek at a variety of Christmas celebrations from the far west of Ireland to the scalps of the Alps, from Italy's rustic Riviera to remote Tyrolean villages and all the way to Grandma's place in Portugal. Join us as we celebrate Christmas European style on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. Merry Christmas. I'm Rick Steves, warming up for a whirlwind hour ahead as we explore some of Europe's colorful Christmas traditions. We're visiting Switzerland, Ireland, Austria, Portugal, and Italy for the holidays. But first, let's start with your questions and ideas about holiday travel. Call us at 877-333-RICK or radio at ricksteves.com. We have Michael on the line in Rochester, Rochester, Michigan. That's right, Rick. How are you? I'm good. Rochester is just outside of, uh, where's Rochester? It's about 35 miles north of Detroit. Okay. Great. Now, what's, uh, what are you thinking about as far as travel? Well, I was in Spain a couple years ago during the holidays, and they celebrated uh, their big holiday was the 6th of January. Right. And I was a little confused at that. I mean, we'd, of course, they had celebrations for Christmas, Christmas Eve, and New Year's, but then mm. the 6th came around, and everybody was celebrating again and out uh, to watch a parade in the evening. It was a lot of fun, and I, I didn't really know what it was about. But, you, but it didn't stop you from enjoying the scene. Absolutely not. Isn't that funny? Now, in Europe, they've got an a extended holiday calendar. It starts in late November, and it goes all the way until the 6th of January. And it's not, it's, I repeat, it is not just some uh, gimmicky way to extend the shopping season. This is a whole string of religious holidays, and uh, different countries celebrate them with a, you know, a, a different amount of vigor. But um, the way I wouldn't have known this, except that I did a lot of work for my Christmas special uh, that, that's airing all over the country on PBS right now, uh, that is Epiphany. And Epiphany is 12 days after Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas. You've heard of that. And that is the day uh, the three kings finally gave their gifts. Okay. And um, I don't understand uh, all, all the theology behind it, but I do know that uh, all over uh, all over Europe, uh, especially uh, in uh, Italy uh, and the Mediterranean parts of Europe, uh, Epiphany is a big deal. Uh, you go to Rome, for instance. That's my experience after Christmas. And for two weeks after Christmas, you've still got all the Christmas kind of stuff filling the Piazza Navona. And then on, on, it all culminates on Epiphany on January 6th. Okay, okay, makes sense, because in the parade there was uh, a lot of references to the three wise men. There you go. Well, that's the day they finally gave their gifts to baby Jesus. So uh, traveling can be uh, an experience in your own religious beliefs as well. It can be. And, uh, you know, you, you, we can have our own uh, strongly held religious beliefs and uh, travel to another culture and find out how different cultural influences and uh, indigenous religious beliefs that were there before uh, Christianity or whatever are woven into those traditions. And it just gives you this wonderful variety and richness that we found all over Europe. And that was one thing I enjoyed about uh, that latest adventure of ours in, in travel was seeing how rich and varied the traditions are after uh, 2,000 years of different cultures uh, splicing in their own influences. You know, there are a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of pagan stuff going on up, up in the north, especially. It's a, it's a return of the sun. Uh, days are, the winter is uh, going to be peaking, and there's a promise of a spring, and a lot of uh, focus on the lights. Uh, you mentioned uh, January 6th is a big day. Also, I think it's December 13th is a big day in Scandinavia. That's Santa Lucia Day. And uh, all the girls are wearing their wreaths of, with real candles in their hair, and they're singing uh, Santa Lucia. Wow. So everywhere you go in Europe, what I learned is there's uh, uh, fun things to learn about Christmas. Yeah, and it was, it was just fascinating to see the differences, such as you know Santa Claus going up a ladder to a balcony window in Spain because they don't have chimneys. 
Yeah, and there's different Santa Claus. There's we one th- we had fun making a, a family tree sort of of Santa Claus because you got all these different uh, variations on Santa Claus and different Christmas witches and different Christmas saints and things that uh, accommodate things like we don't have chimneys. How can he come down the chimney? The Santa Claus we know was, uh, I think, a Coca-Cola ad from the 1930s. I believe they took St. Nicholas from Germany, that idea, and they uh, sort of uh, fiddled around with it, and, and they made it part of an ad campaign back in the 30s. And that's uh, it came from Europe, but it was spiffed up by some uh, marketing there in the States. Right. Wow, that's interesting, too. All right. Well, thanks for your call. You're welcome, Rick, and good luck with the radio program. Oh, it's fun to be on the radio. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. We have Carla on the phone from Champaign, Illinois. Hi, Carla. Hi, Rick. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Very good. Thanks for your call. Thanks. I was wondering, uh, my family is going to Florence and Tuscany between Christmas and New Year's, and we wondered if you had any recommendations or advice on that. Well, um, you know, there's two ways to look at it when you're going to this part of Europe, uh, Italy and Tuscany, Florence. Um, You're going to want to go there to experience Florence and Tuscany, and you're going to go there and want to experience the wonders and the fun of Christmas. Um, I think from a sightseeing point of view, it's uh, things are basically going to be open as usual except for uh, Christmas Day. Expect it to be bitter cold in the middle of the winter uh, because it certainly can be in Italy. Uh, I think you'll want to remember in Italy there's a lot of traditions in the villages, a lot of living manger scenes, a lot of caroling, a lot of tossing of the fruitcakes. Uh, this is a fun thing they do in the villages where the guys get together and they have their panforte fruitcakes and they'll line up and they'll throw them onto the picnic table and try to make it slide and not quite go over the edge. Uh, Just a lot of fun little community get-togethers. In some towns, we filmed uh, shepherds that uh, for centuries have uh, built bonfires. They've come down from the hills, built bonfires, and and sang carols to uh, help the time pass until Christmas Eve arrives. Is it going to be too cold or will the weather be bad in the Apollani Alps? Um, I really don't know because the weather in Italy has been... I've been in Italy when the when the fountains have been frozen and I've, it's been bitter cold and I just flat out could not enjoy myself. I couldn't even get warm in the hotels. And I've been in Italy when it was very mild and the next trip in the winter and I packed all this ski gear and I never had to use it. So it's really hard to say what the weather's going to be like. I would just say you've got to plan for cold weather and layer it and okay. uh, uh, just be ready for that in, in the winter. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Good luck in your travels. Thank you. And we have an email from Jan in Arcadia. And she finds it easy to be prepared for travel to cold, windy, wet weather by investing in a good Gore-Tex or similar fabric hooded jacket. Roomy with thin gloves and a hat uh, in in the pocket for temperatures. That'll uh, take her down pretty low and add a fluffy, light sweater and you can be comfortable as cold as zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, Jan's uh, done a lot of traveling, and it sounds like that's good advice. I would remind you, when you're traveling in the off-season, as I do every winter, you're not just going to be assessing the weather like you would at home, because at home you're going from the car to the shop or from your house to the car or whatever. When you travel, you want to be out for hours at a stretch, and that means you're going to be wanting to dress almost like you're skiing. I found heavy, warm shoes is a major advantage, and you're gonna, you want to be out for a couple of hours. You hire a local walking guide or you take a walking tour. You know, the life goes on from a sightseeing point of view all over the world in the, in the cold months, and these guides are dressed to keep you outdoors uh, just like they would in the summer, and uh, if you're not prepared, you're not going to be able to um, enjoy the, the lecture or the experience. You're just going to be shivering and wonder how much longer do we have to be out here. So you want to have it layered, and you want to dress, assuming you're going to be out long stretches. You want a good hat, mittens, and I find uh, uh, long underwear, but uh, most importantly, heavy, warm shoes. Now let's go to Switzerland. High in the Swiss Alps, we're visiting my friend Ollie Egeman, who's the school teacher in a little village, a traffic-free village halfway up the Schiltorn called Gimmelwald. Ollie, thanks for joining us. Yes, fun to speak to you, Rick. Tell me about uh, Christmas. Uh, what's distinct about Christmas in a little village high in the Swiss Alps? The first thing, obviously, that's, that makes Christmas a great thing is the snow is usually approaching. We get snow around Christmas time a little bit earlier days are shortened. Everybody's looking forward to family festivities. In early December, we get the first feeling from Sami Klaus, from our Santa Claus. Describe Sami Klaus. He's like the Santa Claus, but he's different. What does he do? This Sami Klaus, 
uh, is a very important person, and he is visiting all the children the 6th of December. And um, the Samichlaus is dressed up in red, and uh, he has a helper. His helper is Schmutzli, and he comes is dressed up in black clothes. Uh, both us- usually have a long beard. They have a, a donkey or a little horse, and um, on the back of the animal you have, you have usually a huge bag full of peanuts, tangerines, sometimes even some chocolate. And this uh, Samichlaus uh, goes to visit the different children in the village. They must be frightened when they see him. Well, uh, you know, he is, he is he's quite a man, and usually ha- he has a huge book in one hand, and Schmutzli comes with a kind of uh, a broom. The Samichlaus, you know, he is a holy person, and obviously... Birds can speak to him, and sometimes birds tell him about his children if they have committed some stupid things, and obviously he will give them a little lesson, and he has all written down. And quite often when he visits the children, he might give them a little lecture, what they should maybe do better, and he will look up in his huge book. And to make look this book really old, quite often you just put some flour in it. When, it, when you open it, it's, it's all dusty. And then usually children either sing a song for the Samichlaus or they tell a poem. And if they do so afterwards, they get something from the Samichlaus. They can usually open the, the back and get out some tangerines or, or nuts. So it's just it's just another way for parents to terrorize their children into being nice and not naughty. Yes, you can say that. And you know, funny enough, uh, even when you're an adult, if, if even if you go to a home of retired people and somebody comes dressed up as a samichlaus, I will tell you one thing: everybody gets somehow excited and, to a certain strange way feels back in the time when he was a child, and everybody has a lot of fun with it. And, you know, the time when a child is really scared of a Samichlaus is usually a very short one, let's say between three and five. And quite often, when six or seven, they all all of a sudden can understand that it's somebody they probably know. And then it obviously gets even more fun than before, because they they halfway take him serious, halfway they believe it's somebody else. So you mentioned December 6th. I, I don't understand. Samichlaus comes on December 6th or on the 25th? No, he comes the 6th of December. Oh, he does. So he's he different. He comes on the 6th, not on the 20th, 25th, or 24th. Now, why on the 6th? What's that special day? In the church, all the saints have their particular day, and the day of the Samichlaus is the 6th of December. Is that St. Nicholas? Yeah. Ah, so, so Saint that's Nicholas the day is he is coming. Now, Ollie, in, in uh, Switzerland, how do you say Merry Christmas? Schöne Weihnachten. Schöne Weihnachten. Schöne Weihnachten. A beautiful Christmas night, is that what that means? Well, Literally? yes, more or less, yes. Yeah, great. Well, schöne Weihnachten to you and your family. Thanks for joining us this Christmas, Ollie. Thank you very much. Schöne Weihnachten for you too, Rick. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. More European Christmas traditions just ahead on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
I'm Rick Steves, and this is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm talking with a friend of mine, Tim Collins, who's the retired police chief in a town on the west coast of Ireland, my favorite part of Ireland, as a matter of fact. It's Dingle Peninsula. Tim Collins, thanks for joining us. Not at all. You're quite welcome, um um, you wish, I think, to speak maybe on the, the Christmas festivities in Dingle? Well, Tim, yeah. Uh, first of all, you're way over on the west coast of Ireland, aren't you? Yes, I'm in the southwest of Ireland, Dingle County, Kerry, which I suppose is often described as the next parish to American. Boston is about 3,000 miles due west of us. The next parish over is Boston. That's a beautiful concept. <laughs> Our Newfoundland, to be more precise, maybe. Hey, Tim, we're, uh, we're celebrating Christmas all over the, the Christian world anyways. Tell me, uh, what's Christmas like in the west of Ireland? Christmas is a very big occasion in, in Ireland generally, but moreover in the west of Ireland. It's very much uh, has been a family occasion. Uh, people in olden times, of course, uh, used to return maybe from England when we had a lot of immigration. They'd come from America, they'd make off home to be at home for Christmas. But nowadays we do not have that much immigration, thanks to the Celtic Tiger. The big economy. Yeah, now you got big families anyways, and then traditionally all the families would get together, so that's quite a, quite a party there in the villages, isn't it? Yes, indeed, and uh, it, they'd prepare maybe a week ahead of uh, the, the big day. The, the housewives would be preparing food. They'd be making plum puddings, uh, Christmas cakes. Uh, they'd be getting in some turkey, some ham, uh, a bottle or two of whiskey. So the big feast is, uh, is the big feast on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? Christmas Day is the big one. Okay. And uh, on that day, um, they would uh, prepare dinner and they'd all sit around and they would um, stay inside that day, maybe uh, say, having a bit of a party, playing cards and so forth. No one dares go out on Christmas Day. The streets are actually, so one day the streets are deserted in Dingle is on Christmas Day. Everybody's at home with the family eating. Yes, eating and a little uh, drop of whiskey maybe, drop of Guinness. Maybe some wine that was creepy in. Wine is getting pretty popular in recent years. And the ladies would have maybe a drop of port or a drop of sherry. Oh, so the port and the sherry is the ladies' drink. Yes, indeed, yes. Okay. And they'd also have Christmas crackers where they would uh, pull these across the table, you know, where there would be Christmas uh, fair and hats and jokes and these out of these Christmas um, so the kids crackers, would, as they call them. Little, um, like uh, firecrackers, small firecrackers. That type of thing, yes. yes. Yeah, so okay. it's, it's very much a fun thing. And the meal could one maybe for two or three hours. No one's in a great hurry. Everyone is relaxed. And then they would maybe retire and watch some television. Maybe there's some good television shows on for Christmas. Tim, what happens on Christmas Eve? Is there a big feast on Christmas Eve also? Uh, Christmas Eve is more or less uh, is leading up to the big one. Normally in Ireland, they used to eat fish on that particular day. They had a, a fish called ling, L-I-N-G, to the type of a cod, salted, oh. very strong, uh, strongly salted fish. And they would uh, cook that with some potatoes and some sauce. And that was more or less... Uh, lead into Christmas. I gotcha. Uh, there'd be holly and ivy put up on all the, uh, the windows. Uh, lights would be put up. Christmas tree would be put up. They'll also put up the crib honoring the, the birth of Christ on the Christmas Day. That would be put up by the children would gather around and make their own cribs with the, uh, the figures. And that would be put up in the central part of the house and lit up. Okay, so the kids build a Christmas crib, a manger scene. A manger scene, exactly, yes. How, how many days do the kids get off for Christmas? Uh, they're off generally about 10 days. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Also, um, tell me about the local Santa Claus. Do you have Santa Claus just like we have, or what are the, who brings the, ch- the gifts for the children? Yes, Santa Claus is a big deal here. As a matter of fact, I'll let you in a little secret. I am acting as Santa Claus in the local uh, hotel here over the Christmas. Say it ain't so. So I'll be wearing a different hat. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's and fun. Santa Claus brings the, the gifts at Christmas, and the idea is that all go to bed early and uh, leave some uh, gifts for Santa Claus in the hearth. In the hearth. So Santa Claus does come down the fire, the chimney. Down just the like. chimney, and they would maybe leave out a little uh, glass of Guinness there for him. A glass of Guinness? And they Guinness. might leave out a few carrots and a turnip for the reindeers. So we give milk and cookies, but Santa gets Guinness in Ireland. Guinness in Ireland for strength, you see. For st- that's right, Guinness makes you strong. Yes, <laughs> And then the, the, the reindeers would get maybe a turnip or a carrot. Oh, not quite so interesting. And then the following morning, when the kids would come down, the first thing they'd look for is the carrot. And no doubt there'd be marks on the carrot indicating where the reindeer would have nibbled. Okay. The Guinness and would the be Guinness gone. was gone, of course, disappeared. Right. Proof positive that he had come and gone. <laughs> now, <laughs> is there a, the sort of uh, naughty and nice sort of thing? Do the children put out stockings and they'll get uh, rocks in them or something if they're bad? Yes, uh, 
they got a bit more sophisticated now in recent years. In the olden times, was the the the, um, the old stocking was hung out at the end of the bed, and that would be stuffed with uh, mostly cookies and uh, apples and pears and maybe a little simple toy or a book, you know. Right. But nowadays, uh, things are gone a bit more upmarket and more expensive toys are being bought. Well, I- Ireland is uh, quite a booming economy, so I understand you've surpassed England in per capita income, so the kids have higher expectations for their oh, stockings. That, that's, that, that's the big problem, and they're, they're harder to please, of course. Right. And often they get more enjoyment out of the old box that the, the, uh, the toy came in, actually. They right. get a rope or a twine and pull that around the room <laughs> and forget about the expensive toy. Speaking of boxes, now you have, in England or in Britain, you have Boxing Days. What does that mean? We don't have that. Yes, yeah, Boxing Day in, in, in Britain. In Ireland, it's known as St. Stephen's Day. Uh, in England, it's known as the Ran's Day. The Ran is a bird, a small little bird. And in olden times, they used to go out and capture a bird and put him into a cage. And they would parade around the town. All would dress up in fancy dress with masks, young and old. And they would go around the town collecting money. They'd visit all the public houses, all 52. Okay, all the public houses, meaning all the, the bars, the taverns. All the bars would be visited, and they would collect, and they would sing. They'd have a fife and drum band. There was four big rands uh, groups in Dingle. And they would play the town, and there'd be great competition between the different groups to who would have the best makeup and the best uh, masks and things. They'd have masks there, maybe of people like uh, the President of Ireland or the President of America, for that matter, or the Pope or anyone like that. They'd have these big plastic fancy masks. And you even might get the parish priest dressed up or the local guard, for that matter, and no one knows who he is. So this sounds like a wild day. It's the day after Christmas. It's a great occasion as well because a lot of the kids dress up and they go to their parents. And for some of them, it's their first uh, encounter with liquor, where they might sneak a little glass of Guinness in the bar All right. under the cover of the mask. And for some of them, it might be for the boys and the girls, it might be their first romantic encounter as well. So the whole thing is really a rite of passage as well. Uh, by the way, the... Um, the money that's collected for the, the rands uh, during their collections around the town, in olden times they would collect this money and they would put it together. They might only collect £10, of course, 40, 50 years ago, and they would have a party later on in the new year, buy a, a bottle of porter huh. and have a dance and that type of thing. But nowadays they're collecting for charities. I see. And last year, actually, one of the local rent groups here, the Green and Gold, actually subscribed over €2,000 for the victims of the uh, tsunami out in the uh, east. Oh, that's great. So it is... Um, Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. It's a, a, little, a small little bird. December 26th. It's an ancient, a very ancient custom in Dean that goes back into time immemorial. The tradition has been carried on in the places in the west of Ireland, but it's very strong in Dingle. It is uh, a day the town really lets its hair down. Wow. Sounds fascinating. Hey, Tim, what are your wishes for the new year? I hope uh, we will drift a little closer to peace. That would be beautiful all gift. Over. Beautiful gift yes. for all of us, yeah. And in Ireland, you live in a Gaeltech where people actually speak Gaelic. Tell us... Yes, uh, in how... Ireland, in, in Dingle, we are in an Irish-speaking region. Irish is the spoken language or the mother tongue of the majority of the people. Tim, we've got to get on our sleigh and head on to the next country, but um, I would love to hear you give us a little Christmas wish in Gaelic. Do you speak enough Gaelic to sh- share that with uh, our travelers in the States here? Yes, I certainly will. Guim Rade er don't ask me to repeat that, but tell me what you said in English. Uh, I just introduced myself. My name is Tim Collins, and I hope that there will be peace in the world in the years to come. Oh, and then I said more or less goodbye. Tim <laughs> Collins, Dingle County Kerry. Tim Collins from the west coast of Ireland, thank you very much, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and all your family. And the same to you and yours. Sláin, bye-bye. Bye. Cheerio. Now we travel to the Tyrol. That is the traditional western part of Austria, and we're talking with a friend of mine named Gabby Koch, who is in a town called Reuter. Gabby, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rick. Hello. Hello. We have a lot of uh, romantic images of the Tyrol, or the I guess you say Tyrol in German. Tyrol. And uh, I wonder, can you just describe to people what a small-town Christmas would be like in your part of Europe? Now, um, Christmas is a very traditional uh, fest here. As we, you know, we are uh, Roman Catholic, so it starts already with the Advent Zeit. So we get prepared and uh, be prepared for the birth of Jesus. 
a lot of handcrafts are done then, Christmas decoration. We do a lot of music with traditional instruments like guitar, sitter, harp, hackspread, flute is um, celebrated in the families. You know, for the United States, for a lot of people, it's like how many shopping days left till Christmas. But in, I think in, in the Tyrol, there's a lot of uh, sacred days around the Christmas season. You have St. Nicholas Day. We have St. Nicholas Day, which is not Santa Claus uh, like I think you celebrate in your uh, country. Uh, St. Nicholas, or Nicholas, how we call him short, is uh, named after a bishop who helped uh, hungry people, uh, and he have especially helped kids. So it's very custom to uh, Nicholas to bring children fruits, nuts, and sweet things. As well, it's a good occasion for the parents to remind their kids uh, through Nicholas to behave themselves, like to do proper homework or to go bed earlier. And in this worst case, there is as well a Krampus. It's like a black man with the Nicholas, and uh, this is very much tradition. So black man, you don't mean uh, an African, you mean uh, a, a No, no, person. we say Krampus because he looks uh, very ugly and very scaring. So uh, better uh, people uh, do what the St. Nicholas is telling them. Okay, so the children are all excited about the uh, St. Nicholas or Krampus. What happens if, uh, if they're not good children? Then the, uh, Nicholas will come with the Krampus and uh, he gives them a little, how do you call it, stretch by um, a clot on the popo. I'm talking with Gabby Koch from uh, Reuter in the Tyrol, in the west of Austria. Gabby, you said the people are, during the Advent season, as Christmas approaches, uh, they prepare with handicrafts and decorating. How are the houses decorated in your town? Uh, mainly with nature things like uh, trees, nuts, apples, so not very uh, artificial things. Now, in the United States, we decorate our tree several weeks, uh, usually before Christmas. When do you get your tree, and when do you decorate it, and how, do, how does that um, uh, involve the children? In very few houses, we have uh, artificial trees. Usually, we have uh, natural trees, and sometimes we pick them very, very short uh, time ahead. So even on the Christmas uh, day, we go to the forest and, and pick them. <clears throat> now, for small children, isn't there a, a tradition where they, they don't see the tree until actually Christmas Eve? How does that work? Exactly. So usually, uh, Weihnachten, the shops close at lunchtime. Um, some are open till 5 p.m., but then they will close uh, until the seven, 27th of December. So no more shopping then. Okay. Uh, the papas, they need to keep the, the smaller children busy. Like they go out, they do skiing or skating or snowman or playing games, whatever. And then the mama prepares the tree and the presents. And the living room is closed. And uh, they will come at about 5 to 6 o'clock p.m. The Christmas bell rings and everybody may enter then the living room. Of course, this is done with the smaller kids. When they are a little bit older, they join uh, decorating the Christmas tree. Okay, now who actually, in the children's mind, who brings the presents? Christkind. Christkind. Yeah, So that Christkind. is the Christ child, literally, brings exactly. the presents. Christkind is the birth of God, it's Jesus. And so we never have had any Weihnachtsmann. This is not uh, something from our religion. So Weihnachtsmann, wh who, what would that be? Weihnachtsmann is uh, actually a newer expression. Um, I think um, our equivalent would be Santa Claus. Santa Claus, yes, no. but I think it's mainly used for business reasons. So even the little children, they think of uh, that Jesus is bringing the presents to them and putting them under the tree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they leave something out for baby Jesus? No. No. Okay, because we leave cookies and milk out for Santa Claus. No. Know. No. 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 Yeah, okay. For me, Gabby, in the Tyrol, in Western Austria. Uh, how you deal with the big family meal and when you go to Mass and how the Mass and the family all comes together. Now, usually the meal at, uh, on the 24th is quite simple because there are uh, a lot of preparations and uh, to make it really up to the, to the event, to the birth of uh, Jesus. The meal is quite uh, simple, like a sausage and a potato salad or a fish, but not very fancy. And uh, the service where we go to is at midnight. We call it the Christmette. 
And it will start at uh, 11.30 with already Christmas songs in the church. And then the main service, which is very familiar but uh, as well festive, will be um, starting at midnight. Afterwards, everybody will Frohe uh, Weihnachten. And uh, in front of the church, which is a very nice custom, especially when it's snowing, so it's like in a fairy tale. So after the Mass, everybody is uh, socializing in front of the church, wishing yes. each other Merry Christmas, Freie Weihnachten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we go to the uh, illuminated cemetery, Some sometimes before the church uh, yeah. service starts, but as well uh, very often afterwards. And the cemetery is as well full with lights. What kind of lights and why? Oh, this is to to give the wishes and the uh, merry frohe uh, Weihnachten to the dead people as well. So there's candles in your graveyards. Candles, yes, a lot of candles. Huh. After the Christmas bell rang, you go to the uh, living room. Then uh, you have some Christmas songs or some Christmas uh, Gedichte. Then you have the Evangelium. This is the history of the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you read the gospel. You read the Evangelium. Afterwards, you have, uh, again, some uh, Christmas songs. Then you give the Christmas wishings. And then, the, a very exciting point, you can open the presents. Wow. And do you have, then, a big Christmas feast uh, on Christmas Day? On the 25th. Sometimes you start with a very long uh, breakfast because you come back quite late from the church. Uh-huh. And then you have a late um, breakfast, probably like a brunch, and you go to the uh, sons and daughters, or they come to the house, and then you have cake, and, and then uh, probably uh, have an early evening meal or a later evening meal. But the whole day will be uh, time to spend and to see the family and enjoy each other. Yeah. Gabby, can you, uh, on this Christmas Eve, share with us in the United States what your wishes are for the new year? I wish first peace for everybody. Frohe Weihnachten, and then of course everybody wants to be healthy, uh, join family, and uh, be happy, and of course have all the blessings of God. That's beautiful. And wh- once again, in uh, in your language, how do you say Merry Christmas? Frohe Weihnachten. Frohe Weihnachten. Gabby Koch, thank you very much, Gabby, and Merry thank Christmas. You. Frohe Weihnachten from Austria. Rick, to you and to everybody. Bye now. Next, our Christmas sleigh takes us to Portugal and Italy as we delve deeper into the many ways Europeans celebrate the holidays. Merry Christmas from Travel with Rick Steves. Pass the salted cod. And how about a little of that Christmas fruitcake? We're enjoying happy holidays with our European friends on Travel with Rick Steves. We're continuing our celebrations of Christmas all over Europe, and now we're going to Portugal. We have on the line Claudia da Costa in Lisbon. Claudia, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Very, very, very Christmas, too. How is Christmas uh, unique in Portugal, Claudia? Well, depends on the region. But especially in uh, in the I don't know in the inland small towns is something special, and especially I think the most important thing to say is that is it's for families. So if somebody so, in the big city wants to have a traditional Christmas, you would find it better going to the small towns, huh? You know that uh, lots of uh, people they have a second house in the small town, so it's very easy for them to go there. Not only in Christmas, but, I don't know, in very important celebrations, they always go. Easter, I don't know, this um, religious feasts, it's very important. Do you have relatives in a small town? Yes, I have. My my grandmother. Okay, pretend you're taking me to your grandmother's place for Mm -hmm. traditional Christmas. Tell me, what happens on Christmas Eve and what happens on Christmas Day? 
Well, twenty uh, fourth December, we are all day cooking <laughs> because we are preparing meal because uh, we are about I don't know thirteen, fourteen people, and uh, we are preparing well the sweets and especially we are preparing the codfish, the salted codfish, because we eat uh, codfish. Salted um, cod, okay. Mm-hmm. We ate octopus, but now we eat uh, cod. So you mean octopus was traditionally, but now you uh-huh. are preferring cod. Yes, okay. we eat uh, we eat cod with vegetables and potatoes, uh-huh. and uh, we eat very late, around ten, ten p.m. Because then we go to the mess. Okay. And then after mess, we open the presents. Okay, so we're going to have dinner at ten. Then we go to the mass in the village church, uh-huh. and after that, we open presents. Exactly. Because okay. we should only open the presents, well, at midnight or uh, late midnight. Now, the village comes together at the Mass, then? Uh, yes, yes. And especially sometimes uh, we will see some friends that we haven't seen for one year, because they always come there only for Christmas. Huh. So it's very important. So, like, uh, it's a reunion at Christmas time. Well, yes, how, is the yes. town, uh, do people hang out in the town, or do they, what do they do after church? Well, uh, well, we go, we go home. We open the presents, then we go out again, and we will in in the uh, in the important places such as I don't know the church or the mayor or the tribunal. We have some big fireplace. We will stay all around because it's very cold. It's near the mountain, so it's very cold, and we stay there hours talking and yeah. talking about nothing. <laughs> Sometimes we we drink coffee because we will do coffee in the fire. We have a, a very old pan. We prepare our coffee. And then we stay there all night talking and drinking coffee. So they, you have the old traditional way of putting the pan right in the fire to make your coffee. Exactly. <laughs> very romantic. So what time would you go to sleep then normally? Sometimes we don't sleep or we sleep only two or three hours. Because don't forget that we have to prepare for the, the well next day. That's also very important. So we're celebrating Christmas in Portugal here with Claudia da Costa's grandmother in a village in the north. It's cold. We've just been out until three in the morning at the fire with the bonfires, talking to everybody. Go home, sleep a couple hours. What happens on Christmas Day? Well, on Christmas Day, it's very important always to say that we lay the table. Because usually we we used to say that uh, we put the table for our dead relatives, because you you should have you you can't have empty table. It's forbidden. You have to put. That's why you are cooking all day, 24 and 25, to prepare all this because you have to have food for two days. Because okay. don't forget that you can invite some friends to go there to eat. So explain to me about the dead people. How are you feeding dead people? What's going on? Well, uh, imagine, well, imagine I have this situation. Uh, lots of uh, my family died not a, not a long time ago, and always we think about them in this, well, in this important uh, period. So usually we say that we put the table for them. Okay, so you set the so table, actually. So they will actually. come at night to eat something. You put food out and plates and mm-hmm. silverware and mm-hmm. drinks. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's a way to remember. Exactly. You've been to Mass already the night before, so uh, is it just family time and uh, eating? Is that what happens yes, on the 25th? Yes, but usually we have three Masses on the 25th. Three Masses? The first one, yes, the first one that we have from midnight. Right. We call this Misa do Galo, while translation is Rooster Mass. <laughs> okay, so that's the first Mass. And then we have another second Mass, well, in the morning, and then you have the Mass of the day because you, we have always one mass per day. Wow. Now, a lot of people don't go to church in Portugal every week. Are some people just going to, if they go to one mass in the whole year, it would be probably Christmas. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. I do this. <laughs> you do this. So you're, you're, you're a good mass goer on Christmas. Yes, I go. Because, uh, I don't know, my grandmother, she likes, and I think it's, it's necessary to go. Sure. And the family comes together. Hey, yes. Claudia, when you think back at your childhood when you were a little girl, what is, uh, what's your favorite Christmas memory? Well, it's very difficult to say because usually I have my Christmas day in uh, in, in the small my grandmother's small town uh-huh. because in Lisbon it's completely different. We try to have a Christmas in in Lisbon, but it's not the same right. because people they are buying and buying is not the same. Uh, well, the tradition is not the same. 
we forgot some things that are very important, especially the family. So the big and, city is uh, commercial then? Yes, it's commercial. Unfortunately, it's commercial. But you still have the same mass, you still have the same traditions, but it's very difficult to follow them because, well, it's commercial. Sure. Now, with all that shopping, the children are getting some presents. Who brings the presents? How does that work? In America, of course, mm-hmm. we have Santa Claus, and he comes in the night, and in the morning, the children find what he brought. Exactly the same. Exactly. That's yes. why they are very excited. Ah, so Santa Claus comes down the chimney in Portugal also. Yes, exactly. Exactly and the same. It's uh, it's always a problem when we are in a flat and we have no chimney. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> to explain them, well, well, why here we have no chimney, so where is coming Santa Claus? What is that? <laughs> do the children give Santa Claus a treat when he comes? Uh, yes, yes, we also do this. What do you give him? Well, depends. Uh, usually we put, um, I don't know how to call it, a sock. A sock? We give a sock to Santa Claus to put the present inside. Oh, you leave a stocking out, yeah? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But do they give him cookies and milk or something? Uh, uh, usually we, gi- we give them uh, cookies. Cookies? Very sweet cookies, yes. All right. Because he's, he's fat, so he likes cookies. I see. Very smart. <laughs> Claudia, at this Christmas time, uh, what are your wishes for the new year? My wishes. Always yeah. the same. Three wishes. What is that? Health. Yeah. Money. Money. And love. And love. Uh-huh. I hope that you have all your wishes come true. Oh, uh, thank you very much. And tell me <laughs> in Portuguese, how do you say Merry Christmas? Feliz Natal. Feliz Natal. Claudia da Costa from Lisbon. Thanks very much and Feliz Natal. Thank you very much. Obrigada. Now we're going to go to Italy and talk with Matteo Passini, who's a friend of mine. He runs a beautiful hotel in Monterosso in the Cinque Terre on the Italian Riviera. Matteo, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you all also. Yeah, Matteo, now tell me in Italy, um, what is special about Christmas in Italy compared to other places in Europe or the United States? Uh, in Italy, for example, under a gastronomical point of view, you have... Uh, Panettone, uh, which is uh, special of Italy, and uh, Spumante, which is our Italian uh, champagne. You're going right to the food and the drink, Spumante and Panettone. Tell us about those. Uh, Panettone is a Christmas cake, uh, which it's a traditional cake um, they had in Milano, but now it's uh, all over Italy. And uh, Panettone is more or less is one uh, kilogram and uh, it's full with uh, fruits and uh, like this. And then we have uh, also Pandoro, which is uh, something similar, but uh, with more butter, with more, uh, and uh, it's uh, more simple. But uh, both are very good, and uh, in every home uh, you have uh, panettone or Pandoro for Christmas. Uh, I'm talking with Matteo Passini, who's a friend of mine from the Italian Riviera. And uh, Matteo, think back before all the tourists came and, and made your region more prosperous to a simpler time. What is a, a, a warm childhood memory that you have of Christmas in Italy? During Christmas, uh, here in Cinque Terre, we were expecting uh, the Christmas lunch uh, as something uh, very, very important, where uh, you could eat uh, something that you never uh, eat uh, during the other days of the year. For example, uh, ravioli were the main uh, meal, uh, the main uh, uh, dish we had for Christmas and that were very important because some family could only have ravioli for uh, Christmas lunch and never before. So poor families, poor families would only have ravioli on a special day? Yes, only on Christmas and then uh, no more for the rest of the year. So it was very important. Or, for example, people were wearing a particular uh, dress uh, during that day and then uh, because uh, friends gave them uh, like a a good uh, shirt uh, or uh, something like this and then uh, no more for the rest of the year. So it was something very particular. And, uh, for example, when I was a uh, kid, uh, we always were waiting uh, Christmas Eve that uh, midnight was coming when uh, Jesus' baby were bringing us uh, some uh, gifts. And uh, so we were all waiting the Mass, and then after the Mass, we came back uh, home very fast to see if... Uh, Uh, gifts uh, were uh, there, and they were there, (laughs) so we were all happy. 
but now unfortunately it's different now uh, maybe this is the power of uh, globalization we have uh, something more like uh, you have in the United States and all over Europe uh, we have uh, also Babbo Natale which is your uh, Santa Claus and uh, nobody is speaking anymore almost uh, anymore about uh, baby Jesus so every kid uh, is waiting for Babbo Natale and then uh, Babbo Natale is no more related to the mass so many people is not going to the mass anymore or also even if uh, the Christmas Eve uh, mass is very very important in Italy very important people maybe they go to the mass that uh, night uh, maybe once in a year but they go because uh, it's uh, really very important something uh, everybody feel a lot now babbo natale that's is that like uh, papa christmas is that what that means literally yes uh, the, the real translation is uh, christmas daddy daddy christmas, christmas daddy so christmas that, daddy yes does babbo come down the chimney like santa claus does in my town Yes and no. Sometimes, mostly, he comes uh, to the to the door, he knocks, and then uh, gives you something. Also, for children, they do this. Uh, somebody will wear like a Babbo Natale and uh, go knocking to all doors and give presents. Now you have another character, um, La Befana, right? Yes. Uh, for uh, the sixth of uh, January, uh, when the three kings. They, we have uh, La Befana. Every uh, child wait uh, La Befana because if uh, you have been uh, good, uh, she will bring you candies and a uh, lot of uh, sweet uh, stuff. If you have been uh, bad, she will bring you coke. Uh, La Befana comes down from the, like your Santa Claus, down from the roof uh, and uh, inside the, the, where you have the fire in the... Okay, the chimney. So La Befana. So this is the Christmas witch, kind of. And, the, the Christmas witch, yes. yeah. La and now, let, just to explain to people, so Epiphany is January 6th, and we know about the 12 days of Christmas, and that's really the, the finale of the 12 days of Christmas when the three wise men actually gave the famous gifts to baby Jesus, and that is celebrated throughout Italy then, uh, and, it's, uh, and that's when the Christmas witch comes. And what do they give the children if they've been naughty? Coal, you mean? Coke, like uh, black, coke. the coke. black stones, right? Black stones, yes. All right. Now, in Italy, the manger scenes are a big deal. The, you say presepe, right, in Italian? Si, presepe is very important. Saint Francis um, was the first. He, he invented presepe, I think. Saint Francis in Assisi. Saint Francis, yes, exactly. To Saint teach Francis the story invented. of Jesus, yeah. Si, in fact, uh, now to the best uh, presepe are always made by St. Francis monks. Fran uh, by St. Yeah. Francis monks, they're all the best uh, presepe. Yes, mm. very, very nice, very yeah. beautiful. Because that's a big deal in Rome. I mean, every church has a, a, a major si, scene, and si, people si, go... Si. But like also a... in private home. We, normally it's more important to have a presepe than uh, the Christmas tree hmm. in Italy. In our family, we have, in our presepe, we have the Holy Family, and the baby mm -hmm. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, yeah. and then we have the three wise men and cows and sheep and angels. Yeah. Do you have anybody yeah. else? Is it the same population? Uh, in Italy, presepe is uh, incredible. I mean, uh, you can have a simple uh, presepe like uh, yours, uh, then uh, they add the characters, maybe a fisherman, maybe someone who is carrying something like mushrooms or a hunter. So people are always thinking about to add more and more uh, characters. For example, in Napoli, there is a street, uh, San Gregorio Armeno, which is famous for handcrafters. Uh, they work all year for uh, new characters to add to presepe. And it's a street where uh, uh, small statue of presepe are also expensive because they are very nice. Mm. And every year during this time, uh, uh, it's nice to see, for example, the news or go there and buy new characters. Sort of like your Time magazine, when you see at the beginning of the year, the man of the year in Italy instead of the magazine, you go to San Gregorio Armeno and you have the small statue of the year. You have the person, for example, you can have, uh, maybe this year you can have uh, 
the United States president, uh, Berlusconi, or uh, some other people. And they, and in Napoli, they really add them to the presepe. <laughs> it's incredible, but... Uh, wow, so George Bush right you there. You can have a, f- a soccer <laughs> player. <laughs> it's strange. This is a bit... <laughs> too much, but uh, really, Presepe, it's something incredible. Hey, Matteo, when you have uh, uh, children uh, and you have uh, the grandparents of the mother, or the parents of the mother and the parents of the father, uh, different families, how do you know where to go when? How do you sort that out? Uh, This is a big problem. (laughs) I think it's the same problem in the United States and all over the world, but in Italy could cause uh, big tragedies. (laughs) I mean... Normally, when we speak uh, in the afternoon with all the other friends, uh, on, uh, ten, uh, on ten people, uh, five uh, had a bad day because <laughs> they fight all day. <laughs> the family competition at Christmas. What is the uh, biggest uh, event the, uh, the dinner on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve? No, uh, normally in Italy the biggest uh, competition is for uh, Christmas lunch. Christmas the lunch. The lunch on Christmas Day, on the 25th of December for lunch. Hey, Matteo, what are you thankful for this Christmas, and what are your wishes for the new year in Italy? uh, The wishes are uh, only one, not only for Italy. uh, Peace for everybody. (laughs) And uh, uh, I hope uh, for Italy we are having a bad uh, economy. It's a bit difficult for many families. Here in Cinque Terre, we are a bit, we are happy and rich, thanks also to many tourists, to many Americans, Australians. They come and they make us rich, but we cannot uh, forget uh, many, many people living a few kilometers from here. They have uh, many problems because Europe brought uh, more and more poor people. So I hope uh, for Italy that something will change uh, very yeah. soon and everybody could uh, be a little bit more rich. Thank you, Matteo. And and just for uh, so we can hear your beautiful language, can you wish uh, all of your friends in the United States a Merry Christmas and a peaceful New Year? Can I hear you say that in Italian? Yes. Allora, volevo augurare a tutti voi un felice Natale e un bellissimo anno nuovo pieno di pace. Tanti auguri a tutti. Buon Natale. Buon Natale. Matteo, thank you very much and buon Natale to you too. Thank you, Rick. Buon Natale to you and to all your family. Ciao. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.